What's up, everyone? This is Drifting Pro-Am. I am Gerald Hernandez. And today we have on Fielding Shredder of Lone Star Drift. Um, hope you guys like the show. If you guys want to follow me uh, on my personal account, it's at Gerald underscore Hernandez. Uh, like I've said before, I'm building a Cadillac CTSV first generation and uh, things are starting to get underway with that. Um, but back to Fielding Shredder. You know, he drives an S14, uh, a red one at that. And uh, we get into what he does and how he does it and how he doesn't care for a Pro 2 license, but he likes to compete in Pro-Am. I think that's really cool. Um, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello. Hey. Hey. I think I can hear you loud and clear now. All right, good. Can you hear me loud and clear? Yeah, no problem. Awesome, man. And, you know, we didn't really have a chance. I don't even think we even shared each other's name. By the way, my, I'm Gerald, by the way. Yeah, Gerald, nice to meet you. Fielding. Fielding. Okay, so that is your first name. I was like, yep. is that a first name or a last name? <laughs> That's me. And then your last name is really Shredder? Yeah. Holy shit. So you were destined to be I had to have your name on cool. a billboard, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, man? Good, man. Good, good to chat with you. How are you? I'm doing all right. I actually just got home. My uh, girlfriend drugged me out to one of her friend's husband's owns, um, like, one of those food trucks. Uh-huh. And I devoured a whole bunch of food, and I kind of hate myself right now for eating nice. too much, but all good. Yeah. yeah. How's your Sunday it's going, good, man? Good kind of hate. <laughs> right. How's your Sunday going? Man, it was busy. I uh, I worked today. I worked at a rally ranch uh, here in Austin, um, and I was teaching a class of eight students how to drive rally cars and UTVs today. Oh, shit. That's a lot fucking cooler job than I've got. <laughs> I install yeah, fire was... alarms. It's not the same. <laughs> oh, yeah. A little different. A little yeah. A little work. <laughs> a little bit. So uh, is that something you've always done? Uh, I've been doing it for four years now. Oh, okay. Uh, that's not too bad. And that's, yeah. is that a side job? Is that your full-time gig? Uh, yeah, it's my full-time gig. Um, I mean, I do, I do pick up work here and there, you know, I do, uh, anything I can do with like stunt driving, I'll, I'll do anything that I can do with like a camera car. So anything driving related, um, try to pick up and do that. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do little jobs here and there. And then I'll, uh, I work on another team it's a vintage formula one team mm-hmm. and so they've just got a, a vintage car that uh, i help prep and take to the track and then we run them so i'll be like you know doing uh pit duties on that huh. so basically just all kinds of different you know different jobs i can do to to prevent from having to get a real job <laughs> yeah you know i really wish i can do the same yeah so uh I mean, I end up working probably, you know, 60 to 80 hours a week just so I can avoid working 40 hours a week. But, <laughs> you know, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever it, it takes. So if, uh, for the people that don't know who you are, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, um, maybe explain a little bit what you're doing. Okay. Yeah. What's up, everybody? My name is Fielding Shredder. I've been drifting for the better part of about 10 years now. Uh, I love the, the Texas scene here and driving with all the Lone Star guys and um yeah my my car is a S14 with a 2J in it 
and all the basic goodies. And I just, you know, I'm addicted to this sport, just like probably a, a lot of us are that are listening in. Yeah. It, who isn't? This shit's expensive. But we do what we have to to make it happen. That's right. Um, so if you want to get in a little more detail with what's going on in that uh, S14 other than your 2JZ with basic goodies. What are yeah, basic so, goodies to you? Okay. So um, I guess we can go over the, the drivetrain first. It's a pretty simple 2J long block. It's got um, some bolt-on stuff. So I've got an upgraded turbo from Zona Rotor. And the ECU is a ECU Masters EMU Black. And just got some upgraded injectors and running E85. And that's really it. Just turn the boost up, you know, turbo, manifold, injectors, and a, a real solid tune. And I've been running it like that for five years now. Are you uh, mostly on a stock, TJ? Oh, it's completely stock, 100%. I've never taken the oil pan off or, or the valve covers. Completely unopened. You are a very ballsy man. <laughs> no, man, that thing's been great. It's been uh, five years now at 500 wheel, and I've never had a single hiccup or issue with it. Um, you know, besides little minor stuff, needing to do plugs or needing to do a fuel filter or little stuff like that. I change the oil once a year. Uh, that's you, really it. You what? I change the oil once a year. Wow. Yeah. You don't even check it in between rounds? I mean, I'll check it, you know, but it's it's fine. Uh, I do run an AccuSump on it, so uh, it's got a little bit of extra insurance, and um, I mean, it's got a, a decent oil cooler on it, but nothing crazy, nothing fancy. Just, uh, you know, I, I do run good fluids. I run really good fluids, uh, you know. What fluids do you run? Uh, I've been running Motul for years, and I just this year switched to Enios. So I'm on Enios everything. Oh, okay. Um, but I can but see it's why like you're only doing it once a year if you're on Motul. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a $200 oil change. <laughs> but Yeah, it's not uh, cheap. Yeah, it's not cheap. But with a 10-quart oil system and only running the car, you know, I don't know, 10 weekends a year. It's it's not that many miles. It's not very bad. I mean, the oil looks brand spanking new when I drain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just smells a little bit like E85, but it like is still gold. You know, I could put it back in the bottle and return it. You if know, I, wanted to. I just emptied my oil out from my engine last night from what was it like October, and it was still pretty clean. Yeah, and I was like, huh, should have left that in there. I know, right? Yeah, but it's still. Still a questionable thing to do. It's, yeah. It's always something sure. small that can happen. Yeah, and that's it's too costly really just to to risk it. But yeah, I've had good luck. Knock on wood. Right. So how long have you uh well you said you've been doing drifting for ten years? Yeah, right about there. Maybe maybe this is my eleventh year. I can't remember anymore, but oh, wow. In the neighborhood of that, yeah. How long have you been doing uh competition? Um, competition, probably about five years. And that have all of those five years been pro-am or? Yeah. So I, I ran, uh, the last year of XDC, uh, when they were around. So whatever year that was, was like the first kind of getting into it. Um, uh, and then just, you know, running mostly Lone Star Drift stuff. Uh, I've done little pickups here and there, but 
not, nothing like a full season or anything like that. Only a full season of Lone Star, which I've been doing for yeah the past five or six years and just having a blast. Nice. What did you finish? What was your best finish so far, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, yeah. No, I finished, uh, so I finished top five for four years in a row. My best finish was third, uh, which I, I earned my Formula D Pro 2 license. Um, I don't really have any desire to use that, but uh, it's, you know, a tick on the, on the board there. But yeah, top top five for for several years in a row, five years in a row, and then top uh, finish third was my best finish for a full season. Hmm, that's not bad. And then, um, what are your plans for this? Do you plan on going to FD, or are you just doing this for fun? Um, I mean, I I'd love to, and and currently am actively pursuing a career in motorsports. Um, Formula D is not something that really interests me, to be honest. Um, and there's a couple, I mean, there's quite a few reasons why the main thing is just the dollars per lap that you have to spend is, you know, those guys spend literally a thousand dollars per lap, sometimes more, um, oftentimes more actually, depending on your, your car. But, you know, for me, like to dump all this money into my car to get it to be kind of half-ass leap, you know, worthy for Formula D and then go out and do six practice laps and then two qualifying laps and that's really it. And then maybe I qualify and, and do two more laps. That does not sound like a fun weekend to me at all. Um, I want to go out and have a bunch of seat time and, and, you know, obviously drive with good drivers against good cars and all that, but I have no interest in doing six very high stress, you know, very regimented, laps in between an hour of waiting and then that's the whole weekend and then you just pack up and and either watch or go home sad because your car's broken or you know you just spent ten thousand dollars to do eight or ten laps i can agree (laughs) with that i don't think i've ever spent that much money on a weekend ever no me neither that's That's kind of nuts yeah yeah i think it's just it's not even like a i can't even fathom that kind of cash I think for me, it kind of depends on how many tires I would go through. I've never gone through enough tires to spend that much money on a weekend. I think at max, I think I've spent like, I don't know, 600 bucks on a weekend, maybe eight. Right. But not $1,000 per fucking lap. Per lap, dude. And that's that's not even... The tires is like a very low cost. You know what I mean? Like I don't understand what what it's costing you so much to run that car then. It's not fuel. The entry fee is pretty expensive, you know, upwards of a thousand dollars. Is that how much it costs to enter in a Lone Star event? No, 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 not Lone Star. This oh. is Formula D we're talking about. Oh, I thought it was like twelve hundred bucks. So it's twelve hundred dollars for you, and then every one of your crew members has to have a hard card, and those hard cards are four hundred dollars each per and round. They, they are good for the year, but oh. they're not transferable. To my knowledge and you have to buy a minimum of i don't know i think you have to have three crew members total minimum you have to have a spotter and i think you have to have two like pit crew guys um and that's like bare bones so you're talking about you know your first entry your first event you're over two thousand dollars just in entry fee holy shit 
And then traveling to the event, you know, depending on how far it is from your hometown, you've got uh, a truck, a trailer, um, all the maintenance costs that goes with that, plus all the fuel costs to go hundreds, potentially thousands of miles from home. You've got multiple hotels. You've got to pay for all your crew's food. You've got to pay their salaries. Even if they're doing it free, you have to pay for their hotel and their food and any of their expenses. Um, if you're not paying them any sort of per diem or, or any kind of you know crew pay. Um, so that's several hundred dollars per person, depending on how long the trip is. And then you've got all of your expenses while you're at Formula D. So if you break anything at all, you're already there. You got to spend the money. You got to pay retail for it. Um, people are, you know, like, what if you have to have someone fly in a part or drive it in from hours out of town, or you, you know, pop a motor and there goes a ten thousand dollar motor? Like, it is completely absurd the amount of money you will spend in a weekend of Formula D racing. And that's not even like doing well. That's just to show up and attempt to qualify. <laughs> I don't think I want to do this anymore. No, it's not. It's Jesus. Not a like, it's not even. So <clears throat> a really good one is, you remember, you know, Chelsea Denofa, I'm sure. Yeah. You remember back when he was running his E36? No, I wasn't into the sport then. Okay. So he ran a, an E36 on a privateer program. Um, he was like as privateer as it, as it comes, you know, he, he would hustle for all of his sponsors. He would get them to pitch in as much as he possibly could, but he still was, you know, driving the tow rig, towing his own vehicle, coming with his own skeleton crew, and then being his own mechanic and his own, you know, coach, driving coach. And he had a spotter that he, I'm sure he trusted, um, but you know, running as bare bones as you can. He blew up a motor basically every event. And I think on some cases, like blew a motor, swapped it, new one goes in, blows that one. Um, anyway, long story short, he calculated exactly. And Chelsea's real regimented, if you know him. He's, he, he's like really a nerd about calculating stuff, like fuel economy down to the tenth of a mile per gallon and stuff. Yeah. So he calculated exactly how much money it cost him per lap. And he was like, dude, when I found out that number, it made me sick. It was 1800 and some odd dollars per lap that he spent. And he, he didn't even have a single like successful event. Um, none of the events, like he podiumed or anything like these were just to get to the track, to go through practice, to qualify and maybe do a battle or two, uh, you know, with all the broken parts and, and wasted money. Yeah. $1,800 per, uh, per lap. That's fucking crazy. That's just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. I don't think I want to do any, anything like that. And dude, that's what's so crazy about motorsports is drifting is cheap. Uh, no, it's drifting not. <laughs> is, is, it is, if not the cheapest, it's one of the cheapest pro level motorsports in the entire world. Go karts cost more than drifting. Really? Absolutely. Sounds like my kid's not getting one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can do like hobby styled go karts, and they're great, and you can you don't have to spend a ton of money. Yeah. But if you want to go like pro level racing or pro am racing, then it is and like be competitive with the top top dogs. It is an absurd amount of money that you're going to waste and drop and spend every weekend. Jesus, I need to find something else to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I just, just to put it in perspective real quick, just because uh, I'm a nerd about this stuff and I love to figure this out. Um, at the rally school, we, we were talking about how expensive things are. And so we calculated the cost for Formula One to do a lap. Uh-huh. Guess how much they spend when you talk about like beginning to end of season, including all testing, all the R&D, all of their costs for travel and everything like that. Um, and then you divide it out by how many laps they take. Guess how much they spend per lap for Formula One? I want to say like 15K, and that's on the low end. Yeah. It's $300,000 per lap. Wow. Yeah. That's fucking unbelievable. I understand where they get this money from. I mean, lots of sponsors, <laughs> lots of companies just hemorrhaging cash to put their name on a car that's seen by millions of people worldwide. You know, I'm sure they get a return on, on their investment. Like Mercedes sells a lot of cars when they win races. Um, hmm. But yeah, the, the amount of money they spend, it's a it's $150,000 per mile. And so depending on the track, you know, some tracks are upwards of two, two and a half miles. So, yeah, over $300,000 per lap. That is nuts. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. And to do $1,000 per lap, I think I can live with that. Yeah, that's that gives you some perspective. So then you're like, oh, yeah, it's super cheap. What are you talking about? You know, I know it's and then trying to find a full ride. No one's getting that. So, no, those don't exist. Uh, you know, they do. They're just not for you. <laughs> Right. Right. I mean, they only exist if your parents are the ones paying for it. Because if not, then good luck. I know. That's nuts. So, uh, how'd you end up getting into drifting and all that stuff? Um, I went to high school during like the Fast and the Furious era when it first came out, and I was all into race cars and and you know street racing and stuff. And then a friend of mine showed me a YouTube video of some drifting and. Uh, it completely like changed my view on cars and motorsports because watching, um, you know, watching these drift videos, there was just a couple like fairly low quality drift videos that, you know, they didn't have big angles in, they didn't have a ton of power, but just watching them slide the car around and watching like all of the types of inputs that they were putting into the car just completely like I did a 180 and I was like, I'm selling my Honda. I'm getting a 240. I've got to try this. I want to, you know, feel what it's like to to drift around like this, and I did, and I've been hooked ever since. What made you get a 240 other than, um, it just being a well-known drift car? Uh, so a buddy of mine already had an S13 at the time. He's the one who showed me the drift videos, and um, just because I I wasn't real knowledgeable, and he had already kind of had a head start in uh the 240 world i just thought it was a good idea to get the same car as him and uh so i did that's that was i was like i gotta get something and you you know what's good so he helped me like pick out a good one and show me what to look for and yeah it's just a simple transition are you still in the same chassis you started with um kind of so that was in uh the end of high school going into college I got rid of that car. Uh, I never really drifted it or competed or anything like that. It was very basic. Um, sold it. Uh, and then my current chassis is the one that I bought for myself um, with the intention of driving and competing and, and making a go at it for real. 
So this is kind of my first drift car, but it's not my first 240. My first 240 uh, was just a basic KAS 13 that I only had for like six or eight months. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. What was uh? What were the difference between the two, other than obviously your full-on build now? Yeah, so when I got my current S14, I had three kind of parameters that I really wanted to stick with. Uh huh. I wanted to make sure it was a kooky uh, because I just love the look of those and always wanted one. I wanted to make sure it was factory, no moonroof, a slick top, and I wanted it to have an SR in it. And I found the perfect one, and it was completely stock other than that. Just had an SR. Uh, and it was a kooky, and that was it. Hmm. And you're on a, um, a Zen- you know, you're on a kooky. I'm sorry. You never had a Zenki? Or you said you did? Uh, I did it. I, I had like a, so I had a Zenki for about six or eight months, maybe five or six years ago now, that I just bought to be like a, a practice car while I was building my, my cookie. Um, so technically, yes, I've had a Zinky, but I never really wanted one. I don't like them. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of 240s to begin with, so. Yeah. No, none of them do anything for me. Yeah, no, that's cool. No, uh, but obviously they work really well. Yeah, I think I think for sure it's the driving part of them that's that's magic. Um they're not the prettiest car. The when they're you know when they have enough parts on them, they look pretty cool. But um, when you drive one, you're like, oh, I get it. These are super easy to drive. Oh really? Oh, okay, I've never driven one yet either. Yeah, so that probably probably yeah. Drive one and like depending on what else you've driven. If you drive one, you'll be like, oh, I get it. This is super. Just like it feels like a drift car out of the box. Well, I've driven a boat, which is a Cadillac, and I've driven an E46. Okay. And I'm going back to the boat in the Cadillac, so we'll see. <laughs> what is it, like a CTSV or something? Yeah, or? it's a first-generation one, so. Okay, cool. We'll see how that thing turns out. I actually picked another one up yesterday. Yeah. Um, Some dude had, like, a bare shell. He was going to junk it, and I just hit him up for axles. And he's like, I was like, what are you doing with that shell? He's like, I'm going to go junk it. I was like, I'll take it if you don't want to take it there, if you have a pink slip for it. And he had the paperwork, so I kept it. Oh, yeah. Good find. I know it's uh, it's lucky, but now it's another shell that's at my house. Yeah. So there's Welcome that. To club. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully, it all works out. How long have you? Did you say you were in Lone Star itself? Uh, I've been driving Lone Star for the 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 whole ten years. Um, they haven't. We haven't had competitions at Lone Star for. Maybe I think maybe six years ago we started doing competition, and I've done them ever since. I just uh, before it was just fun, you know, weekend, uh, once a month kind of just drift events for fun. Mm-hmm. And then they, when did they open their pro am series? I think about six years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure when they did that. Yeah. So, uh, what? You're on Kenda's, right? Yep. What are you running, like a 265? Yep, 265 Kenda. How do you feel about that possibly 
not being so much of an advantage to you if you do get your Pro 2 license? Or do you feel you can make the proper adjustments in time? You mean for Kendas or? Just for getting into Pro 2 and running a 255. Oh, well, the Pro 2 tires are so much different than like a 265 Kenda. Um, the the tire compound is just completely different. Like it's not even comparing apples to apples. So like, a, a for example, a 205 Achilles 123 mm-hmm. will have more grip than a 265 Kenda. Okay, that's that's a fair observation. I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah, so it's still just like, it's not even the same class of tire. Um, and it's not supposed to be. I actually love the Kendas for that exact reason. Is they've got plenty of grip, but more than anything, is they have a very consistent amount of grip from new all the way to the cords. So no matter how hot you get them or how much you beat them up, they don't lose a lot of grip like a lot of tires tend to do. And... More, more importantly, they last the longest of any of the tires we've ever tried. So in terms of like you're getting your dollars worth, you know, and, and having the most fun for the least amount of money and having the most consistent seat time, the Kenda is unbeatable. And then they don't, how is the grip as the uh, tread gets lower? Is it consistent? Does it kind of fall off a little bit? No, yeah, that's that's what we love about them is that the grip doesn't change. So no matter, like, from the from new till they're dead, they feel almost exactly the same. And, you know, you can they, – they do start to go down a tiny bit, but it's not anything like most of the other tires we've tried. Uh, like the Federals, for example, are great for the first two laps. And then as soon as they get hot, they just get greasy as hell. Which Federals? Uh, the five nine five SS. Okay, I've ran those. Yeah, and they just get greasy as hell, and then they like, if you keep driving on them, they just explode. They just completely delaminate and come apart. Uh, and if you don't, if you if you're you cool off on them, then they never the grip never comes back to how it was, the first lap. Um, and other tires, you know, th- those aren't the only ones. Uh, and I don't I don't want to turn this into a, a tire trash talking combo but you know the in terms of consistency especially with drifting because we're we're asking so much of a tire and we're getting it way beyond its intended heat range mm-hmm. um the kendas just kind of accidentally turn out to be magical and don't you know blow apart yeah i've never actually tried them uh a buddy of mine ran on them for a a season or half a season rather. And, uh, but he never stayed like consistent with tires. Okay. Um, so his driving didn't stay as consistent. I would say it would kind of change. He would always throw a different tire on and then he would drive differently every single time he decided to throw a different tire on. So that's, that's something I find important to just stick to the same tire. Yeah, if it's a good tire, you know, if you're not getting the results out of it or it's costing you too much or it's like, like I said, that some of the tires will delaminate or like completely come apart. So it might have, you know, 80 or 70 percent tread left. But if the middle tread block completely comes off, then the tires trash. Yeah. So that's what we love about the Kindas. And I really encourage you to try them 
even just a pair of them, you'll be pretty impressed, especially uh, if you're used to tires that like don't last very long. Um, these last a long, long time. Even with hot lappings, are they fine or do they kind of melt a little? It's some yeah. will melt. I mean, that's what we're, that's what's so nice about the Kenda is that it, it is capable of hot lapping. Now, obviously, every tire, the more heat you put into it, the quicker it will disintegrate. Mm-hmm. So ideally, you know, you do two or three laps and then you cool them off, whether you run through a water box or you spray them off with a sprayer or you just let them cool for a little bit. Um, you know, everyone's track situation is a little different, but um, ideally you, you let them cool. Um, but what's nice about these is that, you know, you can let them cool for just a little bit and then you can keep going out there and they're they're not really going to lose grip as they warm up like that. Yeah, I... I... I ran the uh, I ran the Achilles ATR Sport twos over a track over here called Grange, uh-huh. and here they let us hot at an event. I was able to hot lap there. I think like my fourth lap in, they were toast. Yeah, they just damn, that's crazy. melted, and I was like, "Huh." So I like I waited for a minute. I let them cool down. I went back out there. I even lowered air pressure, but I just I had already ruined the tire. Yeah. But I've also done it where I was able to carry that tire through the whole, um, through the whole tread. Obviously, not hot lapping it, right? But I'm able to still carry the same amount of grip. Totally, yeah. That's actually a pretty good tire too. And I've run at Grange too, and dude, I couldn't kill my Kendas at Grange. I did probably 80 laps, and they were still 30 percent tread. And that and that like, track is known up. for killing tires. Really. Yeah, that Man, thing I, that burns your shit getting, up. I was getting amazing tire wear there. Um, what what kind of tire pressure do you run, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so it depends on the course, but um, if I'm competing and the the track is hot and I want to try and grip it up, I'll run like as low as 12, um, somewhere between 12 and 15, hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like at Grange, I was at 35 and it had plenty of grip and... Um, I mean, my car is pretty well set up. It, it does have a lot of suspension going for it. So it's got plenty of, of natural grip without like a really good tire. But um, in terms of like being able to chase guys, because it was up during Super D, um, it was really hard to chase people without just like raping my car. So I actually wanted to take some grip out of it so that it was easier to, to follow behind some of the slower cars or some of the cars on different tires um, to make it a little easier to where I'm not just like murdering the clutch or like, you know, murdering the tires to stay in drift by just Uh, really hiking up the wheel speed. Gotcha. Now I've never been to a super D event. Um, They always look too crowded for my taste. Yeah. So, but some of their driving looks super fun though. Oh, for sure. It was very high-level driving. Um, I got both my doors tagged by Naoki on one lap. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Both doors. Oh, both doors. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, there's a video on my Instagram you can see of him uh, like coming up on me on entry, tagging that door, then we transition, then he tags that door, transition again, and he's still just like right there. It's pretty mm. sweet. Yeah, so some people are just better at things than others, and you could always... I know, right? It's so intimidating yeah. when that happens. Oh, I was loving it. I, it was like a little childhood dream come true. Yeah, a lot of the... Um, I don't follow Japanese drifting drifting at all, 
So when sometimes people will make a reference and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. But where uh, you guys don't have qualifying down there. Did, did you guys ever have qualifying? We used to, yeah, several years ago, but we got rid of it and it's been a million times better ever since. Okay, so do you like it? You like the setup? Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate qualifying. I typically did pretty good with qualifying. I would qualify in the, the top five or, or so every time. But uh, it was a waste of time. It was boring as hell. And it was a waste of tires. So for me, like, if I'm if I'm trying to drive my car, like, max angle, max wheel speed, max smoke, uh, but in a solo lap, like that's just lame. Um, and it doesn't do anything for the crowd. Nobody wants to watch it. It's, and it took forever because, you know, Lone Star has got a lot of drivers. We would, we will have upwards of a hundred qualifying drivers at our round one event. So to get through a hundred drivers, two laps each takes like four hours. Yeah, I can see that. Damn, yeah. you guys have a, fucking large num- high number count that's that's just the caged cars we have 100 caged cars then we have about another 60 or 70 non-caged cars show up all for one event one two-day weekend yeah how the hell how much seat time do you guys get uh it's pretty much as much as you can afford um we run non-stop all day from 9 a.m till dark so around six or seven usually and uh, we don't break for lunch or anything typically. And we do a hot lap style track. So you can go out there and take, you know, two to 10 laps in a row. Um, by then, your tires are either going to be gone or you're going to be, you know, your car's overheating or something. So you need to pull off. And uh, the line just never stops, man. You just keep going and going. And we typically set up two tracks too. So there'll be one big one. And then a small one for like newer drivers to kind of go get their feet wet and not worry about higher entry speeds or, or people c- coming in tandem behind them. Mm. Okay. Where do you see, what are your, um, your goals for this season? Um, this season, I mean, I just want to keep having fun, try not to crash. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to podium something or win something, but that's not like my main goal. I mean, if it happens, great. But um, I just want to continue to, like, enjoy driving and travel a little bit more. I'd like to try and do some grid life events and, and maybe Hyperfest um, just to kind of keep enjoying the sport and traveling and meeting new people that are like-minded and uh, try and fa- find ways to, you know, let drifting keep paying for itself or, or somehow supporting itself where I'm not just having to sink all my money into it. Yeah, that's it's not cheap. Nope. Have you, uh, how are you with sponsors right now? I mean, I'm pretty good. I've got a handful of sponsors that uh, I've developed a really good relationship over the years. And they've continued their support for me. Um, I, uh, I picked up one new sponsor this year. It was uh, Zona Rotor. So that's the turbocharger that I run. And um, it's a, a parent company with uh, Forced Performance. And so uh, they make turbos here in Texas and really great quality product. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 
yeah, just having a, a backup turbo in the truck is always, you know, a good idea. Uh, I don't have one, so <laughs> I think. Well, having one is great, and having, having two one is, even is double great. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, actually, I I was on <sighs> offer up, unfortunately. Yeah, that I've been on it for some reason lately, and I've just keep finding shit I don't need, and going and buying it. Oh man, you gotta get off of that, dude. I know. I you last, gotta delete that app. I am. Last week, <laughs> I found an LS one for five hundred uh-huh. for five hundred bucks, like a real, a real LS one aluminum block for five hundred bucks, like just a long block. And I was like, I don't need it, but it's that's a killer deal. I need to go get it. I mean, is it any good? Like, uh, he said it had a spun bearing in it, and I didn't see anything that I could find. Okay, but like the block is still good and everything's. No, it's not like a hole in it or anything. Right. And I was like, damn. Right. But my dad ended up buying it off of me. He was like, I'll give you five hundred bucks for it, and I was like, cool, take it. Yeah. And then, and then I hit this guy up about some axles, and he's like, I'm gonna ditch this car. And I was like, I'll take it. It's it's a stupid app. For yeah, people with no self control. Right. You're like, I have just enough money to make bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's that's probably the best way to uh, to describe what the hell I've been doing the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I feel you, man. I'm there. I'm there with you. Yeah. Uh, what kind of power are you putting down on your car? Because I remember, I don't remember if we if I asked. Yeah. So it's um, you know, I I, I just use the number five hundred wheel. It uh it varies depending on the track and the day. So I've got a, a pretty cool boost knob with my my EMU. Um, it's like a seven way boost selector position knob. So basically, each click gives me two pounds of boost. Huh. So I can I can go anywhere between like 420 wheel and blaze it all the way up to mid fives um, with that knob. Now. The turbo is capable of like almost seven, I think, mm-hmm. six fifty to seven, and you know I would need a bigger injector for that and some more and probably one more fuel pump. But I, there's no reason or need for that at this level of driving. Driving like it's just it's stupid. Even even low fours is still more than enough power to be competitive and destroy tires, you know, and not be any slower than anyone else on track. Yeah, that's. I could definitely agree with that. I think I'm. I don't even know what I'm at. I know it's around four hundred ish. Compared yeah, to what other people have. Right. So, and your car probably weighs a little more than mine too. So well, it weighs more now. This car's still being built, so we'll see. Okay. Um, I was actually uh, I went and bought some metal for it the other day because I wanted to put my uh, fuel cell in. Okay. And I didn't. Think about it. I just, for some reason, I grabbed one eighth inch thick, uh, inch and a half square tubing, and I was like, "This doesn't seem right." But just throw it in the truck. And then I asked around, and they're like, "No, that's way, way too much." Oh yeah. And I was like, "I gotta get rid of it now." <laughs> <laughs> so now I gotta go buy metal again. It's a learning process. Yeah. Especially if you, you don't know what you're doing. And you can't return that shit either. No, you certainly cannot. No, I know that. So Once you buy it, it's yours. Yep, I'm gonna try to make something else, maybe some ramps out of it for my yeah my trailer since I'm missing a ramp. 
good project. Right. Uh, weld practice, welding practice. Yep, exactly. Do, uh, how much of your own work are you doing? All of it? I do I do all of it, yeah. Oh, I mean, fucking awesome. Yeah, and I have to. I just I can't afford to hire a mechanic, and I can't trust someone to do work that I would rather do. And so I certainly have lots of friends, and my girlfriend helps all the time. Um, which, you know, I'm super grateful for, but I'm always there hands on whenever my car is getting worked on. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of a jack of all trades. I can weld, I can fabricate, I can, um, do, you know, basically everything except for, I don't trust myself to build an engine. Um, I've tried that once. It did not work out. (laughs) And, uh, tuning is something I don't do. Um, my buddy Ethan, who I've been friends with for a long time runs a shop uh, called Trackstar Motorworks. He always does my tunes. He's a super good friend of mine and, and had a rock solid setup for a long time, five, six years now. So um, tuning is something I don't do, but everything else I either will do it or I'll assist or I'll lead in some some way. That's, that's something I have to do the same thing because I can't afford to pay somebody else to do this stuff. It's either I work a shit ton of hours at work and have somebody else do it. Mm-hmm. And then I got to yep. wait on somebody else to do it. Right. And then you got to rely on them and, and mm-hmm. hope they do a good job. And like, what if they don't? Yep. There's um, always that. There's always that possibility that someone may fuck it up. Yeah. And like, so then you hire, you know, a buddy who's giving you this homie hookup and then that ends up being a disaster and your relationships suffer because of it or you're, just having to dump money into it or pay more for a, you know, fixing a mistake, whatever the case is. It's just, it's, it's tough to, to balance that. Yeah, I agree. That's why I just rather do it myself. And if I have to do it twice, it's still probably going to be cheaper than paying somebody to do it. Yeah. And I mean, if you screw it up, then at least you can only get mad at yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yep. And you have no one else to blame. Yeah, exactly. So, but when's uh when's your guys' first event? I know it's uh, coming up. Yeah, it's coming up the end of March, a couple weeks. Um, last weekend in March, it's at Gulf Greyhound Park in Houston, Texas. And then you're out of you're based out of Austin. I'm in Austin, correct? I've been there once. I got trashed. It was really nice. <laughs> yep, sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, and then. Are, is your car ready to go, or do you have some work to do still? Yeah, I definitely have. It's never 100% ready, you know. I have I have plenty of work to do. Um, a couple little things. Um, oh, you know what? I did pick up one other sp- uh, sponsor this year. is SPL Parts, and they make, you know, suspension arms and suspension links for a lot of cars, and they are building new front lower control arms for uh, S-chassis. Mm-hmm. And so they're, I'm going to get their very first set, and they're going to prototype them, and I'm going to test them out. Oh, nice. Like, yeah, so I'm hyped you, about that. Are you on a uh, angle kit of any kind, or are you just on, like, some cut knuckles? Yeah, so I, uh, depending on my mood, I'll jump between the GK Tech roll center correction and a pair of just cut knuckles that I've got. Um, so, yeah, either one. I like them both. Is there any advantage to one? Over the other? Yeah. Um, 
so the GK Tech is really snappy. Uh, it's got a lot of what you might feel is caster steer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's great for like really quick transitions and like tight corner tight courses. I like it. Um, however, at higher speeds, it's a little bit more twitchy. Mm-hmm. And so you got to really like slow down your inputs and really be very mindful with how much wheel you, you start to add and subtract. Um, and then the, the other, you know, potential downside is that it's another thing to go wrong. You know, it's bolts to come loose or it's, um, you know, a part to fail or as a cut knuckle, as long as it's cut and welded by a reputable source, um, it's kind of like, you know, the OEM cast knuckles not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's strong and can go off jumps and hit people and you know pretty much be bulletproof. Yeah, actually, that's a that's a good point. On my last car, my BMW, I hit the wall at Irwindale, uh-huh. and my knuckle was unscathed. However, my lower control arm went through my wheel, yeah, and snapped right in the hat, right at the weld because it was a extended lower control arm. Uh huh. But it went. It also shattered the wheel, so I hit the wall hard enough for that to happen. Wow. Yeah, that sounds painful. Oops. Yeah, it was, no, it's fine, but it's just, even when the, because I, I use uh, driftknuckles.com stuff. Okay. He goes, I've had a lot of people crash those, and he's like, no one's ever obliterated a weld. He's like, normally they bend and twist the arms before the weld breaks. For sure. So, I was, uh, I guess I put it to the ultimate test. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a gnarly hit, it sounds like. Uh, it's a, it walked away, so we're good. Yeah. Could have been worse. Do you guys uh do you guys do a lot of tracks with walls, or I don't know your guys' layouts? Yeah, so um, we run Texas Motor Speedway, the infield course, uh, which really doesn't have any walls of significance. Um, and we run quite a few parking lot courses. And then we run another one called Houston Police Academy, which is a road course. Um, so what what Aaron, Aaron Losey is the guy who runs Lone Star Drift. And what he's done to kind of give us that feeling of walls is he bought a shitload of those plastic uh, K-rail barriers. Mm-hmm. And he'll drag them out on track and, and create a wall. You know, and it is it's a plastic wall. That's, uh, it's a forgiving real, wall. It's somewhat forgiving, but you will still fuck your car on these things. Yeah, I did. Like, I've completely wasted a body kit and a rear end and fenders and a trunk and wing, like, from one wall tap. So, just because they're not made of concrete, like... Wait, are they filled? uh, No, they're only got, like, about a foot of water in them, or sometimes no water. But they're connected together. So they might be 30 wall pieces each, and each one weighs probably 200 pounds or so, maybe 300 pounds. But when you connect them all together, it's thousands of pounds. You know? Ah, okay. Um, and in some ways, it's worse because if you hit the middle of them, they all wrap around your car and they smash every corner of your car. Whereas like a concrete one, you'll just smash one corner, probably worse, but just the one corner. Whereas we've got... There's tons of drivers, like, videos I can send you of drivers hitting them head-on or hitting them, like, in the middle, and literally every every single panel on their car gets beat because the, the wall wraps around their car and just destroys it. It's pretty funny. I had one, uh, I hit one with my door, and it fucked my door up. 
Yeah. It's it yes. pretty bad. So. You got an idea then. Just imagine hitting one at like 80 or 90. I wasn't going that fast. I remember yeah. that. But yeah. No. Yeah. Uh. That's one cool thing about Texas tracks is we go fast. Um, our Pro-Am cars running the Texas Motor Speedway infield were entering at 105. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, it's deep into fourth. Um, mineral wells, we, depending on the course setup, we can enter anywhere from 80 to a hundred. Um, and the slow, even the slowest mineral wells track besides the, what we call a pinball course, but like the slower ones are even still 75, um, in a, in a pro-am car. And then we've got, um, one of the, one of the guys who runs the series named Harrison, he's got a hookup at a local racetrack here called Harris Hill. And we don't take everyone out there. We just kind of take the more seasoned drivers with more safety gear and, and more power and stuff. And we go 130 on entry on that course. I want to do that. That sounds fun. It's insane, dude. I can only fourth imagine. And, yeah. Fourth and fifth gear entry. Like it's, and, and we're tandeming too. It's absolutely absurd, but it's that's awesome. And what trans are you on? It's called Harris Hill Raceway. No, what transmission are you running? Oh, mine's an R one fifty four. Ah, that's a two J trans. I'm assuming correct. correct? Okay. Correct. Toyota transmission. So. Toyota. Sorry, I knew that. Uh, aren't those kind of expensive? Yeah. <laughs> From what I've heard, aren't they? Like, what do those things run? Yeah, they're about fifteen hundred to two thousand each uh, for like a used one. And that's like if you can find one, or yeah. are they readily available? They they pop up enough that like you can get your hands on one, but you know people are proud of them. Oh yeah, I can see that. So, uh, I've, uh, I've had great luck with it though. I run really good fluid. And I drive really really smooth, and it's been great, man. Oh, okay, that's. I run a really nice clutch too, though, so that helps. A what? A really nice clutch. What clutch are you running? So it's an Exidy twin plate uh, carbon clutch. That just sounds expensive. Yeah, it's like a five thousand dollar clutch. <laughs> Holy shit! I hope you got yeah. that on a deal, man. Oh yeah, I got it. I got it hooked up. Um, I didn't pay nearly that much for it, but like retail price, you know, retail is always super expensive. But yeah, it's. Full carbon fiber face, twin plate. Um, it's a really, really nice setup, and it's really soft engagement for like the transmission. Uh huh. Um, so that's why it's like a lot better. You know, you might spend five grand on a clutch, but if it saves you three two thousand dollar transmissions, then it's worth it. I can. I would definitely agree with that. Also, but I that's how build snowball team. happens. Yeah, I, I. Uh, I pulled it out after two years, and it still had 30% life on it. Holy shit. You know what? Uh, so, it's worth the money. But that's... are You're not driving this car every day. You're just driving it for competition, right? Correct. But, I mean, when I'm driving it, it's as much... You know, I'm, I'm full tilt. I'm never going easy on it. And I use the clutch a lot. And with the amount of power and grip that the car has, you know, it's... It's it's really fighting against that clutch. Yeah, I can see that. No, I the clutch I have, I just have like a I don't even know what it. It's just a clutch from spec. Um, 
when I was like kind of piecing my first car together, I I shopped eBay a lot. And what I found on eBay is a lot of people tend to order the wrong parts and then sell whatever they have for like half the cost. So that's what I was doing. And I kind of got, I made a clutch. I had work. And so far it's still working. So until it blows up, it's staying on the car. Hell yeah. Run it till it's, it's done. Yeah. So as long as it doesn't blow anything else up with it, I'm good to go. Hell yeah. But, um, what do you, uh, what do you do for, um, sponsorships? Do you think, do you just have like a standard proposal? Like what's your, what's your approach? Yeah. So my approach is, um, you know, it depends on the sponsor, but in my experience over doing this for as many years as I have, the easiest sponsors to land are the ones that you pretty much already know, mm-hmm. or or even or even more so are the ones that approach you. So instead of like going around and begging for stuff or like putting together a, a sponsorship deck and like you know trying to sell yourself the old-fashioned way, yeah, um, I'll instead just try and be a lot more cooth about it and just like you know take someone for a ride or chat with them or, you know, show up to an event that I might know that they're at and and chat with them and just show your face, show that you have, you know, a respectable presence, both online and in the community and in person, Um, show that you're not an idiot and that you're not going to be, you know, the guy who does a burnout, leaving cars and coffee and and gets everyone mad at you and stupid shit like that. Um, And then just, uh, you know, approach them in a way that you would think a like if you were owning the business how would you want to be approached so instead of hey can i have this or you know would you give me this it's much more like hey you know i noticed that you make a new turbo for you know whatever if it's a turbo company hey i just noticed you make a new turbo uh really love to partner up and put your turbo to the test you know, maybe the first one we can go, you know, you can give me a discount. And if I can sell five turbos for you, then I get a free one or something like that to where it, it makes sense to them. You're not just begging or asking for free shit. And you're showing them that, you know, you're proactive about moving some product or promoting their, their brand or their business or whatever it is. Um, but the cookie cutter, like, this is my social media stats. This is my car these are my mods and you know this is what i'm doing this year that shit does not work yeah uh i would agree because normally i kind of like have like a i do that for the most part i have like the cookie cutter proposal but i'll reach out to somebody and just kind of like make a personal letter like blah 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 this is who i am this is what i'm doing sure do you want to hang out? It's basically what it says. Um, but I think for everyone, it kind of, but I'm pretty sure that came with time, right? Like you didn't yeah, just know that right off the bat, right out of the, right out the gate. No, like, no, not at all. I mean, I, I tried for years the, the other stuff, the other way and just was unsuccessful. So, you know, once I, once I landed a couple sponsors, I was like, Oh, like 
my like my first sponsor, for example, was Ethan, who's my friend. We were already friends, and you know, I was needing a tune, and I was willing to pay for the tune. And he was like, you know, yo, you can pay six hundred dollars for a tune, or uh, you can give me two hundred dollars and put a sticker on your car. Okay. I was like, okay, I can do that, no problem. And then he's like, you know, and for every person that you can get, you know, me to tune, then I'll give you like a free refresh or retune. And if you can sell me 10 tunes in a year, then I'll give you whatever, you know, give you a thousand dollar credit towards my shop services or whatever the case may be, you know? Yeah. Just examples, not exactly specifics. Right? Yeah. Okay. Right. No. And so, and so like for the, um, the turbo company, I actually taught the owner this was kind of just happenstance, but I taught the owner's two sons how to drive a rally car. And I didn't ask him. I knew he, you know, I knew he owned the company, but I didn't ask him for a free turbo on the spot. I wasn't like, hey, you know, your kid's going to be a rock star on track now. You should, you should, you know, you should hook me up. It was nothing like that. It was just like very professional, very, you know, more, much more like let's be friends versus, you know, give me free shit. And then... When, uh, when the time came, he actually asked me. He's like, yo, I know you've been running, you know, these other kind of turbos. I want to put you in a Zona turbo. And I was like, okay, what do I got to do? And he's like, just put the damn thing on the car. <laughs> nice. Like, okay. Sweet. So, yeah, that's that's how that works. You know, how, do you, just... how do you spell that? Zona turbo. X-O-N-A. Okay, that's what I thought. I just to make sure. Yeah. My luck would be, uh, be a Z. Yeah. No, so that that one worked out, and it was just kind of like a little bit of luck, a little bit of right place, right time. And, you know, he liked my attitude. He liked how I treated his kids. He liked how I uh, presented myself, like I said, both online and in person. And so once once you get someone that likes you, then it's easy. Then it's just don't be a jackass and, you know, keep doing what you're doing and uh, shouldn't have any problems. Yeah. As long as you don't be a jackass, which I've done more than once already. So, yeah, I mean, we're all guilty of it. And, yeah. you know, the younger you are, the more susceptible you are to doing dumb Yeah, shit. definitely. Uh, def- <laughs> I definitely agree with that. Um, I think now I try to, I try to kind of watch what I say for the most part because I grew up like with people who are like, no, just free speech. <laughs> Do it, say whatever you want. <laughs> and that's not how the real world works, I'm finding out. Yeah, I mean, you can you you can do free speech all you want, but there's a consequence, you know. Exactly. So, that's what I'm trying to avoid now. Yeah. But there's ways to like say what you mean without being an asshole. So, you know, that's another big thing. It's like you can if you disagree with someone, you can totally disagree with them, but you don't have to be like a piece of shit know? about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. So, um for anybody who wants to get into this from your, what would be your number one tip for them? For anybody who wants to get into competitive drifting and possibly pursue an FD license? No, for, for that specific question, I would say don't do it. Just if you're trying to get into drifting because you want to be a pro, you already have the wrong mindset. No, uh, not necessarily. I think anybody's going to get in. Well, I can see that. If you're not drifting for fun, at first and foremost, 
you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And that's with every athletic sport because um, there's no money in it. So you're not doing it for a job. So you better be doing it to have fun. And then if you can figure out a way to keep going with it and make it still sustainable, then you're doing great. But if you're not having fun, if it's work and it's a job and you're not enjoying it, you're not going to make any money doing it. And there's no reason to completely ruin your life trying to chase this needle in a haystack dream that probably won't happen. This is true. Yeah. It's, a, it's just, another, it's, it's something I kind of ask a lot of the guests and it's, that's everyone so far, everyone's had a different answer and that's, uh, that's definitely a different answer. And it's very true. It's probably yeah. shouldn't be getting into it. If that's is to go yeah. pro. Just, just like anything, like think about skateboarding. If you, we're a 10-year-old kid. You're playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater on your PlayStation. And you're like, I'm going to become a pro skateboarder. And you went out there and you did, you know, ankle presses until your ankles went blue. And you learned every trick in the book. And you just, you know, would skate two skate parks with no one watching just to, like, nail your tricks down. You're going to hate life by the time you're 13. And you're not going to have any fun. Whereas if you're same 10 year old kid and you and three buddies go out and just learn tricks and play skate and skate around bombing, you know, whatever kind of downtown spots you can, you can do. And then you happen to get really good at it and you continue to love it and you continue to get better. Then you very much, you know, you can really easily transition to a pro skateboarder at that time. But if you didn't start doing it and love doing it, then there's, you're going to hate yourself and your life and you're never going to pursue it like on a professional level at any kind of capacity that is sustainable. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. I, that's a good way to uh, explain that not to shit on someone who wants to do this for a living, but just be realistic about it. Yeah. Just be real. Like unless, okay. The only other option is if your parents are filthy rich That'd be and, they, <laughs> and they just want to like dump just hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for you to probably suck for five to eight years before you get any kind of success. That would be nice, but that's not going to happen for most of us. But no, that's a, that's a good point. I like it. Yeah. And I mean, you can even look at NFD right now. There are some people that fit the exact mold that I just described, where their parents are very supportive and they pay for their entire way through. And those drivers are not amazing drivers. Um, not because they aren't don't have the opportunity. It's because they don't have the drive and the passion and the the hunger for, you know, being the best driver they can be or the best drifter. Instead, they're just like, I just want to stay on the podium and pop champagne. And like Alex Hilburn, for example, he had a ton of cash and a ton of support. And he had every tool that you would need to ever win a championship. And after two years, because he didn't win, it wasn't easy for him. He quit. Who? 
Yeah. And he's just like, you know, fuck this. I'm going to go do something easier that I can stand on the podium without really trying. Because drifting is really hard. Even with all the money in the world, you still have to have a lot of talent and, you know, some balls. Who did that? Alex Hilbrun. Hilbrun. He's still drifting. Uh, he's not an FD. Yeah. His engine blew mid-season, and he didn't have time to get it back together. I think you're thinking of... Uh... You're, not, you're thinking of the, the guy from South America with the E46, right? Yeah, that's Alex Hilbrum. Yeah, he's, uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't drifted in a while. Yeah, his, uh, his motor blew in St. Louis or something like that. Right, and he never came back, right? Yeah, he's coming back this year. Is he? Yeah, he's been testing. I don't okay. know if you follow him on Instagram. I don't. I thought yeah. he quit drifting. No, 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 not at all. He uh, he had a motor blowout, and I think uh, his budget wasn't as big as before. So I think he had to get another. Mo- I don't believe he had a backup motor. He just kind of had one, and getting one of those motors built. I'm pretty sure it's not only a lengthy process, but a pricey process. And yeah. that shit don't come for free. Yeah. Doesn't he have like super uh, but, wealthy par- parents that support him and give him whatever he needs? Uh, I don't know his story. But if, I know he does have a couple other cars, though. And I don't. And I know like he still has his Pro 2 car. I don't see why he wouldn't have brought it out um, if he doesn't. If he still has it. Because um, technically it would still be. Like the rules haven't changed enough from 2015 to now to make to make that car illegal, right? I don't see why he wouldn't have brought it out, but maybe he just realized he's like, I'm not even in the fight for the championship. There's no point in me wasting a whole bunch of money, right? And that's exactly like to reinforce my point is he only was drifting to try and win something. He wasn't doing it for the love of the sport or for the love of the tandem aspect of it or for the love of driving with his friends or the camaraderie. He was doing it. And as soon as he realized he couldn't win a championship, he's out. Pull the plug. Yeah, I could see that. And anyone who does that in any sport, they're not in it for the right reason. Yeah. Hopefully that's not not what happened with him. Hopefully there's a... From my understanding, it was an engine issue, and there's just like a lot of timing problems. I'm hoping that's that's actually what happened, so he yeah. wasn't able to compete. But you know, who knows? Hope he. But from my understanding, from what I've heard, he is coming back this year. Um, he does. He hasn't made a whole lot of changes to the car, but he's been driving a lot. I know well, he drives good. a lot in Peru and stuff. Right. So that's good. Hopefully, he has a successful season, and he, you know, he falls in love with it all over again i know that's that's all or, sometimes all it takes and it, it's very possible that my information is bad and i uh don't know what the hell i'm talking about <laughs> yeah and he's he's gonna be running and he's could be a drifter a very passionate drifter and i just got the wrong info or the wrong idea and well, that would be great i know right <laughs> um the point i was making is still the same though you know no i it, i know right and it's just like don't yeah. be a but I, it, it's also understandable at the same time. It's like you're wasting all kinds of money, yep. you know, and it's just it's crushing your dreams. And I could see that, too. Um, yeah. It's almost with like uh, anything in life, to be honest. 
you know, if you invest any time or money into something and things just don't go your way, sometimes it could just be very discouraging. Absolutely. So, but the point is to power through that and kind of get over it. Or at least work through it. Right. Drink through it like an adult. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But, hey, man, uh, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, I like you had a lot to say. I like it. Um, I wish you the best of luck this season. Hopefully you actually do get that Pro 2 license this year. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, I've already I got it a couple years ago. Um, Is it still valid or no? It's expired now, but I just, I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't want it. He could, you know, Aaron could hand me five Pro 2 licenses and I still wouldn't be interested in using them. Hmm. Um, but other than that, I am very excited to attack this season with full intention of... Uh, doing as, as good as I can and driving as many laps as I can and having the most fun that I possibly can and trying not to crash and, and all of those things that I, you know, I love and take away from the sport. Crashing is fun. It's part of it. It's totally part of it. I do it a lot. It sucks. It, yeah. It's, it's a, <laughs> yeah. It's a fun... I just hate having to fix it afterward, you know? Yeah. I had to fix it by getting a whole new car. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know the struggle, but Alrighty, man. Uh, thank you for coming on. Where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Shredder Racing, and uh, those are those are pretty much all the the social media apps I use. And then uh, come out to a Lone Star Drift event in Texas. You know, you can come and say hello. You can catch rides, uh, not just with me, but with with any of the drivers. We're very rider friendly. Um, come up, bring a helmet, or if you don't have one, borrow one, and you know, we'll we'll show you what it's like here in Texas. Nice. Any sponsor shout outs? Um, I mean, we talked about the most of them, you know, I, I mean, I could, I could go through the roster. Uh, Kinda tires is the biggest one. Um, BC racing coilovers have been very supportive for the last five years. Uh, love those things. I've actually just upgraded to, uh, a remote reservoir two way adjustable this year. So I'm excited to get to try those out. Um, the zona rotor turbo is pretty cool. A little upgrade there. EMU has been on my car for five plus years now, no problems. Uh, and then the SPL suspension stuff that we talked about, I'm excited to get to test that out and, and try some of their new product line. And, you know, as well as all the old product line, which has been probably the most bulletproof of any of the S chassis suspensions that we could buy on the market. Nice. All right, then, man. Thank you. And you have a good night, dude. All right, man. You too. All have right. a good one. Bye.